Hi, everyone. Michelle Bruckner here with the Showgirl Tip of the Day podcast. I really hope you enjoyed today's guest, actress, director, teacher, mother, Kathy Morath. She and I are colleagues. We're friends. I hold her in great esteem. She's a wonderfully brilliant lady. There's a lot we didn't cover in our interview because my friend Billy Johnstone has a radio show called the Broadway Radio Hour, and Kathy was a guest on his show where she talked a lot about her family. Her dad is a very famous musician, Max Morath, and her career. So I'm going to link that in the show notes. Well, thank you for coming to the Showgirl Tip of the Day podcast, Kathy Murat. We are thrilled to have you with us. Thank you, Michelle. Kathy, for those listeners that might not know about your career, do you want to just give just a little recap? I'm going to post the link to the radio show that you did with Billy Johnstone, the Broadway Radio Hour, where you do a deep dive into your early years, etc. So, um, I don't want you to recap all of that again, because there's already a very fine interview that exists. Thank you. I enjoyed my interview with Billy. And yes, your, your listeners can go to that for a deep dive. Just briefly, Michelle, um, I came to New York when I was 22, right out of college. And within a year, I had my equity card. And I worked steadily in the, in the business, Broadway, off-Broadway, TV, film, regional theater, until I was in my around 40. And then I made a big switch. I went and decided to focus on my family and had a baby and created a club act and started teaching. And here I am happily ensconced in my world of working with students and continuing to work on myself. That's great. That's really great. Yeah. You know, in this business, I always tell our students that life is long and there's many parts. And especially in terms of having a family, it's a choice you make, but you have to make that choice and you have to also change things up a little bit. The schedule that we had as young singer, dancer, actors has to change a little bit when you have a child. Indeed. My husband and I called it bed, bath and beyond. Mm-hmm. The evening times when you would be with your child and you'd have dinner and have a bath and have stories and tuck in and all that, that's gone if you're doing eight shows a week. Yep. And that's why I chose when my daughter was in kindergarten to stop doing shows at night. I performed until she was five. And then I... That's not right. Me too. Yeah. There comes a time where you make a choice. You make a choice. And also as they get older, when they're uh, teenagers and teenagers, they have things like basketball games on a Saturday or a choir um, presentation or things that you want to be a part of. And also touring is out of the question. I don't know how anybody can tour and be a mother, but it, it apparently is done, but it wasn't going to be for me. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, people do do it and more power to them. I just, I just know how fleeting that time is. And both of our daughters are now out of the house. Mm-hmm. So it is, it goes by in a flash. Indeed. It really does. Well, my daughter has graduated college. Your daughter is in college. And so suddenly there's a new normal 
but they still need you and I'm, and they still, you need to be there for them. Absolutely. Kathy, what do you think for your own career, what was one of the highlights of your work life when you were performing? You asked me about this and I had to think about it. And interestingly enough, counterintuitively, it wasn't one of my Broadway shows, although I loved being in a show on Broadway and going to work every night, it was great. Two things come up. I think my biggest um, success and learning curve was I was cast as Sarah Brown in the Guthrie Theater's production of Guys and Dolls when I was only 26. And the Guthrie Theater is sort of the preeminent regional theater and they had never done a musical. And this was the first musical that they ever did. So I felt a great responsibility, not only to the creative team, but to um, the composer, Frank Lesser. His wife, Joe Sullivan Lesser worked on the show with us. So I was in the room with her and I got to work with the late great Jerry Stiller who was our Nathan Detroit. And it was fantastic. When you do regional theater also, there isn't the pressure as much when you're on Broadway because they had, there was a built-in audience. We were sold out for three months. And wow. we were never, yeah. So that would be, I think my, my greatest learning curve as, as, a, as a performer, it was very collaborative. David Bishop was the conductor, remember David? Mm-hmm. And wonderful Garland Wright, was our brilliant director. And in, in that cast was Scott Elliott and Dana Moore. I mean, it was just an amazing group of people. So that, wow. was, that was really, that was it. That was the triumph. Now you were saying that you had a great responsibility. Let's talk about that a little bit because we teach some wonderful students and what we try to instill is not just the, the work, the talent, the, the act of doing the singing, doing the dancing, doing the acting, there's so much more involved. It's much more holistic than a lot of people think. And it's not just your talent that gets you hired and rehired. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you need to bring as a person to a show or to an audition or to a rehearsal process? Absolutely, Michelle. And it's a great question. I have my four pillars, my north, south, east, and west. North is discipline. It starts with discipline. You must be a disciplined performer. You need to take personal responsibility for your skill set, for your learning of the material. If you get a, a direction or a correction, you need to take that. And then beyond that, one needs great collaborative skills, which means to be open and present in the room for anything that the team comes up with. And finally, I think if you look at the successful performers who we love and admire, there's a certain temperament, which is one, like we used to say about our president, no drama Obama. You know, nobody wants a drama queen in the room. And so I think a temperament of easygoing, collegial to and fro is essential, essential to not only being hired once, but to be hired again and again and again and again. Right. You know, everyone has their own identity, but I think when you enter a project, you have to be willing to soften your own self to become the character that you're hired to play. You might not agree with 
some of the direction, but guess what? You're not the director in the project. Right. Being collaborative is wonderful because some the good directors will have you contribute, but you're not, when you're the performer, and this is what some of our students are learning going through school where we work, um, you're not the boss. There is a hierarchy. There is a chain of command. Just like the army. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. And I think that um, there's a wonderful a colleague of ours, that the head of the piano department, Bill Cox, who I've known since I toured with Carousel with Robert Goulet with Bill. And he says three simple words. You know how Nike has just do it? Yes. Well, he likes to say, take the note. Yes. And if and you Kathy, take the note, then you will move forward. Exactly. And I think I need to get Bill on here because you and Larry Blank have talked about Bill Cox as someone that is an influence. I think I need to call up Mr. Cox. And you should Bill call Bill. Yeah. I, I mean, I was so lucky. Again, one of my first tours was a huge um, national tour of Carousel starring the late great and difficult Robert Goulet and Bill was the musical director. So it was really amazing to be in the room with Bill Cox. He's, he's a legend. He knows everybody in show business. It's unbelievable. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Take the note. And honestly, when you're young, sometimes you take things personally. I mean, I know I did. Byrickly mm -hmm. once told me I had gotten a little, um, let's say comfortable with the, the money I was earning and spent some of that on food. And she said, you need to lose weight. And I was so hurt, yeah, so hurt. humiliated. Right. But it was just actually that, that suddenly the line didn't look quite right. The visual wasn't quite right for what she had said. Yeah. And I was playing a character in a nude leotard. And when she hired me, I looked one way and then, you know, Sipping a little Sam Adams on the road. Well, she was see, right. This happened to my friend Karen Ziemba. She was out on the road with Crazy for sure. And she put on a few pounds because when you're on the road, you end up eating a lot of fast food. And she was excoriated in the press for it. And it was devastating. However, she got back into the gym and she got herself back together. And I think there definitely is a standard of physical fitness. And um, it's not as thin as it was in the 70s, 80s. And even 90s, you don't have to be quite as read thin. But I do agree with you got to be physically fit and you have to, the costumes have to hang properly on you. Do you know what I mean? If you're in a dancing role, is what I'm saying. Absolutely. And even, I mean, I remember when we did Nick and Nora on Broadway, we had the wonderful Theone Aldridge did the costumes which were all based on 30s, um, you know, silhouette. And so she came in the first day and she took our measurements and she gave us undergarments to wear in rehearsal. And she said, don't let me see you fluctuating any, in any way because I'm going to drape the dress on you. I had this bias cut off the oh. shoulder, gorgeous beaded gown, and I couldn't put on two pounds or it would not fit. Wow. And that was part of the, that's the design. And we have to honor the designers. William Ivy Long, you honor those designers. They're, you know, they're amazing. Oh yeah. I have a story about another choreographer that, that you love and I love, Graziella Danielle. When I did uh, Pirates of Penzance on Broadway, there were only six of us in the ensemble, six singing and acting ladies. We danced a little bit, but it was staging. So we got, we, we pulled focus when the daughters were on stage the audience would look at us and Graciela came in one day. She had come to a matinee 
without anyone knowing she was there just to take a look at the show. We were maybe a year and a half into the run. She came back, she said, girls, I don't know what you're doing with your lives, but I see nothing on your faces. What do you go oh. home? You go home, you eat, you drink, you stay play with your boyfriend, and then you sleep all day. That's what I see. Why don't we go take a class? Why don't you go to the museum? Why don't you learn a language? Why don't you do something with your day? She said, this is just, this is just your meal ticket? No, you have a Wow. Yeah, she, and we were terrified. The stage manager said, okay, we're, we're having three rehearsals this week, ladies. Buck up. We were lucky we weren't all let go. Right, right, because that's something else. They, you know, you can be let go. It is, it is their show. And if you're not performing the way they need you to perform, you can be fired. Exactly. And I want to say again, to our students' point of view, if you really want to do whatever you want to do, and you don't want to be part of a team or told what to do, then by all means, go out and write your own show. Go ahead. Be Taylor Mac. Write a show. Good luck. Right. Right. Good luck. Right. And, and I love, I love our students very, very, very much. And I remember what it's like to be that age, 18, 19, 20, 21. And your vision for yourself is so strong. Mm -hmm. You really want to get out there and just chew it all up. But there is, and this is what I love about the theater. There is a system, there is civility, there is, um, there is a way that you speak to people that I feel like if we brought that out into general society, it would make the world a much more civilized place, to be honest with you. You know, when someone says something to you, you say, yes, thank you. Mm -hmm. Or I understand, thank you. Or received, got it, I've got it. Yep. Yeah, I, yep. I, I believe that there is a great civility in our business because we work what when you're rehearsing for a show you're with each other 12 14 hours a day and then you see each other it's your new family so there has to be mutual respect and affection yeah yeah 100 percent 100 percent so um i want to just ask you a question about a job you got a couple of years ago mm -hmm. and life in this business what i also love about it is that everything can change on a dime one day you're at an audition and the next day you're on a plane. Mm -hmm. So you had this great opportunity and we all thought that we lost you. Like we thought you were gone to the West mm -hmm. forever and ever, but uh, you got hired as, was it head of musical theater? Yeah, it was the, uh, they were developing a musical theater department. They had a very strong acting department at this university. Um, and they asked me to come in and lead the musical theater department, write curriculum, direct two shows, teach musical theater acting, and to collaborate with the voice department. They also had a vocal department there, which was very strong and, and wonderful people. So I headed out west and I got myself a little casita in Santa Fe. And I thought maybe this was gonna be the rest of my life. Yeah, and it was in New Mexico. And uh, the people that know and love you here in New York, we were happy for you, but yet we were just we knew we were going to miss you and I was hoping that we would all be able to come out and do some guest teaching and things like that too. Of course that was my plan. I figured once I, I proved my, my metal and I you know was collaborative and people were responding to the work that I would be able to, to um, 
bring people out as guest artists, whether it be for a semester or even for a long weekend for master classes. And that was earmarked. My, my boss, the chair of the performing arts department said, yes, we're gonna get to that. Absolutely, you've got, you've got great people to come all the way to Santa Fe. That's the thing, it's a narrow talent pool in Santa Fe, New Mexico. So that was part of my um, five to 10 year plan. That's great. Um, and New Mexico right now is kind of exploding in the film and television department a little bit. They're using, I think Breaking Bad was out there. Yes, Breaking Bad filmed. actually was the was one of the reasons, but there've been a lot of shows that have um, been produced and directed out in New Mexico because you've got all this wide open space, you've got light, um, you've got, there's some great studios there. So yeah, there's a lot happening in film and television, much like Atlanta and in Georgia. Which I'm actually gonna save some money and I wanna just spend a few months down there and see if I can book some things. There's a lot just of because, work. Yeah, why not, right? Exactly. So Kathy, what, after a year, the university, did it fold? What happened? Well, it's never been made quite clear what happened. In fact, I was part of a huge hiring block. They hired a costume designer myself, they hired another acting teacher. And so they, they seemed to be moving forward. Enrollment was strong, but there was some sketchy thing with some Chinese investors. And it just coincided with, with uh, the, our, our, new, our new president elect that it happened all in 2016 going into 17. And then suddenly all that Chinese money disappeared and they were underwriting a lot of the programs, not just the, the performing arts department, but the fine arts, which it was really known for its fine art and painting and sculpture. That was really the backbone of the school design. Can imagine, because a lot of artists live out in New Mexico. Exactly. So that was really the, the linchpin of their department. The performing arts department had been brought on, I believe about 10 years ago and was chaired by John Jory from Actors Theater Louisville, who was a fantastic collaborator and, and dear friend. Um, so we were all just, the students and the faculty, we were just devastated. And so I had to come home. Uh, it, it, thank God I didn't move my husband and my whole family lock, stock and barrel to Santa Fe. Right. Well, my, the reason I brought this whole issue up, the whole New Mexico part of your life up, is because I want our listeners to know that show business and our careers are not linear. There's ups mm -hmm. and there's downs. And sometimes there's ups and downs and ups all in a season. How did you adapt once you heard? Because you were really looking forward to building this and being the head of a program, how amazing. And it would have been a fantastic part of your life so how did you handle the disappointment I mean you like you said you were smart you didn't sell your house on the east coast no. and you had you gave yourself a buffer right but emotionally how did you handle the situation well obviously I was devastated because I thought this was going to be my third act right and to have the the sort of the carpet pulled out from under me was disconcerting however I made a call immediately to, um, to our school where we teach. And I said, listen, um, things are not working out as I planned. I'm gonna be back in the summer. Is there any room for me in the fall? I just wanna throw my hat back in the ring. And indeed back in the fall, I was able to jump back on our schedule. My daughter was in college then. So she was happily ensconced in Boston. Um, and I just, had to take all that experience though, but I came back with such a wealth of knowledge and information 
having to be in this position, that it really, I think, affected not only my work in the classroom, but my attitude about the entire operation. Yeah. And I think um, because you have been in show business as long as you have, basically your whole life, mm-hmm. I think you build up a resilience because we know, we know things don't always go according to plan. We know that sometimes, you know, as, as much as we can prepare for something, sometimes it just goes a different way. Well, you know, I, I had the experience of being in a Broadway show that closed on opening night or four days after, right? And I had my whole future planned out. I figured I'll buy an apartment, you know, and then all of a sudden that was gone. And, and yeah. you're absolutely right. Um, that you, So we become used to uh, the fact that it is not a linear business as you most brilliantly pointed out. And then sometimes it can be kind of static. I remember for a while, I was just off Broadway this, off Broadway, off Broadway, off Broadway. I'm like, am I ever gonna get another Broadway show? And then I got another Broadway show. Yeah. Yeah. And then when the pandemic hit in March, mm-hmm. a lot of people, a lot of people said to me, how your, your spirits are up. You're teaching live on Instagram. Your spirits are up. And I said, y'all, have you ever been on tour and the bus breaks down? Have you ever, have <laughs> right. you ever been? At they the can't airport? load it. We were someplace like they couldn't load in the set. It was, it was, it, it didn't come in. It did the, the specs were wrong. We couldn't get the set on stage. Right. And so you go through a few years of that. Yeah. You you just know you're like, OK, the only way to get through this is to pull up my favorite expression mm-hmm. and do the best that you can. And I'm so grateful that we have technology because here you and I are talking. You're mm-hmm. in your house. I'm in my house and we're talking. And if the pandemic had happened 20 years ago, oh, it. we'd be we'd be writing snail mail to each other and waiting a week to get the letter, you know? No, and you know, lemon, lemonade out of lemons, my grandma always says, what I have experienced in this land of Zooming and working with, with my dancers especially is that the one-on-one coaching is marvelous. It's really been terrific to get great. to the granular stuff and not have there be this expectation or sometimes a little fear of being in front of people um, that, that, that it is a more um, intimate way of teaching, which is actually quite an intimate art form, you know, parsing a lyric and delivering a story in a song that's tricky. It's not, it's not easy. Yeah. And so I've been happy with the work I've done with my um, classes one-on-one. Now we were part of the hybrid model, which was also beneficial because you got to be in the classroom with the students. And yeah. we just did it, you know, like anything, we'll get through this. After 9-11, you remember, we didn't know if we were going to go back to work, but we did. We ended up, sure, it, it came back. A, a lot of people have lost work and ha- are suffering. So I don't want to minimize that or discount that at all. I think this is going to add a lot of resilience, a lot of patience to everybody. And I'm hoping for a little bit of a theatrical reset. I'm hoping that some of the work becomes just a little simpler and a little more direct, a little more storytelling based. We'll see. Well, I, we'll see I how actually it rolls. think that the days of Spider-Man are gone. Even Phantom with the chandelier, you know, Andrew Lloyd Webber is refitting the whole over in London. He's retooling and restructuring the Phantom, which is his huge mega hit. But I do believe that there will be a return to the narratives of like the 60s, where a show called Like I Do, I Do 
could work yeah. with two people in a simple set telling a marvelous story. I mean, right. I was in the Fantastics when I, that was my first New York gig, Louisa and the Fantastics, seven cast members, one simple set that cost nothing. And it ran for 40 years. I know. Right. So I do believe that that necessity is the mother of invention, right? It's a necessity that we have social distancing, our budgets are going to go down. So I am so proud of our creative community. The stuff that people have been doing has been incredible. So Me yeah. too. We'll bounce back. I think our industry might lead the way because we are innovative and we know how to work on a dime. You know, Stroman, Stroman does her best work when she has five cents. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic. Me too. And here's my next question, Ms. Marath. Mm -hmm. uh, do, is there anything that you would love to do going forward? Do you still want to get on a stage or... Is there anything on a list for you that you would just love? Great question, Michelle. Um, I would love to start to go back to the stage and go ahead and embrace where I am in my life and play those roles that are w mature women, shall we say, <laughs> women of substance. I mean, frankly, I would love to be Aunt Eller in Oklahoma. Yes. But I also want to return to directing and to writing. I, I created a wonderful show, which your listeners can listen to on the Billy Johnstone program, um, a tribute to Doris Day. And I'd like to go back to that. I would love for you to go back to that. Mm -hmm. You know what show I want to do with you, Kathy? This is so selfish of me, but I'm what? just going to say it. What? A Little Night Music. A oh, Little my Night Music. Yes. Oh, yes. Hello. You should be Charlotte and I should be Desiree. Yes, you would that's be my perfect. casting. Oh, I'm getting close Happy to Madame Armfeld. So. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. You would be so great as Charlotte. Oh my God. I was in a little night music at the York. I played on Agerman when I was 24. Wow. And that show is perfect. It's a perfect show. It's gorgeous. I was in a reading of it at Main State Music Theater and I played Charlotte. I saw it. I was on tour with Chorus Line in Europe and we went, we had a few days off and we snuck away to London because my friend Greg Covert had a friend who was working on Martin Gare and he, he invited me to come with him and his friends lived in this narrow, tall townhouse and it had a stained glass window above the door and it said Heartbreak Hotel. <gasps> and they and they all drank gin and they treated me so nicely. I was their guest and they were so nice. That Saturday I saw Carolyn O'Connor play Mabel in Mac and Mabel. Oh. And that evening I saw Judy Dench in A Little Night Music. Well, case and Biglaren. Oh my God. She's it was oh yeah. It was, I'll never forget that weekend with those people in London. It was one of those perfect, perfect little getaways. Yeah, Judy Dench, the whole, oh. that whole production, 19, Absolutely. it was January of 96. 96, and that, yeah. And uh, Larry Guitard, Lawrence Guitard was the Frederick. We have a clip that I show in my musical theater history class of Judy Dench simply sitting on that bed, singing Send in the Clowns in that red dress. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's the memory that I have too. Mm -hmm. I have the memory of her sitting 
and the way she sat down. Yeah, and that whole, the lighting in that show was so gorgeous. It was all purples, mm -hmm. stunning. What, what a weekend, what a fabulous, you know, out of all the life experiences, that's one mm -hmm. of the big ones for me. So you and I, we got to get that together. Maybe Bill Cox will be the musical director. That's great. We can go to up and do it in Maine State. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you handling, um, back to being mothers, how are you handling, I know your social distancing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, mm -hmm. my parents live just an hour from me. They live where I grew up on Long Island. And my, my dad was sneaking out in the pandemic. My dad is this lovely man, but he sometimes behaves like a teenage boy. And he was sneaking out to get coffee with his friends in March. And we basically had to lock him in the house. Oh my so my brother, sister, and I, we have groceries delivered to my parents. Mm -hmm. My brother has two small children. And so my mother does go to see them, but mm -hmm. she goes nowhere else. For Christmas, we just all decided, you know what? This one, we're not gonna, we're not gonna be together. My daughter's in Texas at school. She actually took the semester off and she work, which, you know, I, I wanted her to have a gap year and she kind of ended up with a gap year. So I'm COVID really. Yeah. Cause of COVID. Um, one of the reasons I wanted her to have a gap year is that her high school was really, she had exams. It was a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. She was a cheerleader. She basically went from morning till night. Right. And I thought a gap year where all she would have to do is have a job and learn uh, learn money, which she knew already. But you know, when you're working for yourself, when oh. you're working and you're bringing in a check and you need to make that check balance and you know, it, it does, I think it does good things for people. So she went to her freshman year and then she took uh, the fall semester of sophomore year off. So she's going back in January in a couple of weeks okay. and we FaceTime, we of FaceTime. Course. It's all, it's all good, but yeah. I'm, She's 19, 20 years old. She's a big girl. And it, yep. this year it's different. There has to be, it, it just is. And that's okay. I mean, if yeah. you think about London during the blitz, right? It, yeah. This is what we're, we're at war and we need to just do everything we can to get that vaccine and then get everybody back to Christmas next fall. Yeah. And Billy, um, Billy gave me Jillian Lynn's book about London and the blitz. And uh -huh. I read that during April during quarantine and it really helped you know I'm like I'm like these people had no food and they were making it work yeah. they were hungry and they were making it work so we in our comfortable homes with our oil heat we can deal with this we certainly can and we have zoom and we have shows to watch on Netflix and we've got stuff to do and we have phones yes absolutely we can yeah. do that. Kathy I appreciate your time you are an amazing inspiration to me I love the fact that I know you and I love one day you said something really funny to me we were in the teacher's lounge together and I made a comment about something and you looked at me and you said you really love show business don't you just give you a bologna sandwich and you're fine I forget what we were talking about well that's, no listen you're the show girl who can survive on some peanuts and a Diet Coke and, and turn it out. No, seriously. <laughs> no, because, you know, really, you're, you're just such a survivor and you're so optimistic and beautiful. And that's the thing. You always have that glimmer in your eye. There's always there. Because we're blessed to do what we love. This is a gift. Mm -hmm. 
you know, um, I was very lucky to be able to train and then to work. If I never got another job, I still would be grateful for everything that I had and my experiences. And I think you're the same. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, happy holidays to you and your family and keep your father in lockdown. Um, <laughs> My father, who is 93, who lives in Duluth with my dear stepmother, he had the same thing. He had like his his boys he would see on, on Friday morning. They'd all go to the coffee house and talk about whatever they talk about. And But what my, my stepmom did is arranged a Zoom meeting for him. And Perfect. he's technically challenged uh, uh, older men. She figured out she worked with their wives or their caregivers so that they have a Zoom coffee clutch on Friday mornings at 10. That's great. Yep. Because we need that connection. We can't just be isolated. We need to stay connected. And, that's, and this has been my honor and privilege to be on the show with you because we get to share our thoughts and feelings about this business. And maybe it'll inspire some of our students or whoever is, you know, your audience members. Yeah. And I hope you'll come back. Maybe you and Billy could do a, a show together. Then we could just <laughs> laugh be, and well, laugh. That would be fun. And we could all tell jokes because, you know, Billy. And I could yeah. do my impersonations and stuff. It would be fun. I be would fun. love it. All right. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, dear Michelle. Thank you so much. I'm honored. The Showgirl Tip of the Day podcast has original music composed by Joshua Holloway. Find him on YouTube, Joshua Holloway Music. This podcast is written by Michelle Bruckner and edited by Michelle Bruckner and Joshua Holloway. Find me on Instagram, Showgirl Tip of Day. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Show, show.